This is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church. good to be here this morning. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Hannah. Um, It's been a while since uh, me and my family have been at this meeting. Um, We now go to the 3.30 meeting, Um, but it's so good to be back here. It's so good to see your faces, so many familiar faces and new ones, which is so exciting. Um, I just want to take this opportunity to say a massive thank you to you for your um, love and support over the last year and a half. Um, Like, well, like all of us, this has been a very challenging season and truthfully there have been moments where James and I have thought, oh, I think we've had enough. Um, But time and time again, we've experienced the, the kindness of God through the generosity and the friendship um, and the kindness of, of people in this church family, many of whom are sat here. And so I just want to thank you. Thank you so much. And um, I just know that many of you have been praying faithfully for James and the elders and our family. So I just want to say thank you again for that too. Um, as we continue our Redigging the Well series, we're going to look at one anothering. Today we're going to look at being a um, yeah, pastoral church, but on mission. And I just think, just yeah, it's really important to just start off by saying, I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that has a, a long history of doing this well. Um, I think that's just a really important place to start. But we're not perfect. We don't always get this right. Um, in fact, if you, yeah, when we do our joining the church process called DNA, in the very first session, as if James wants to put everybody off, he says, this is not a perfect church. <laughs> he says, stick around long enough and someone was likely to upset you. Someone is likely to make a decision that you don't agree with. And that is the reality of church. We're humans and we get things wrong. And on this issue of one anothering, um, which we'll go into exactly what we mean by that, but um, kind of looking out for each other, loving each other, supporting one another. Over the years, I've got it wrong. <laughs> loads and loads of times. I've got it wrong when I have been too direct. I've just gone right in there. Bang. Like, too direct. And I've also got it wrong when I've just been too vague. Just, mm. I've got it wrong when I've been too quick to give advice, and I've, been, I've got it wrong when I've hesitated and, and failed to actually um, share my experience on something. I've said too much, I've said too little, I've um, quoted scripture over somebody when what they really wanted was a hug, and I've just hugged people that really wanted a bit of encouragement with the truth. I've got it wrong lots and lots of times. Um, And you might be thinking, oh man, why have you got her up to do this talk? Um, But just started off by saying, you know, we do get this wrong, but this is all of the nuance and complexity of being a family together. There's not a textbook. There's no, this is how you do it. We are family together. Um, So when we talk about pastoral care, I just want to do that bit where we kind of just clear on what we mean. What we're talking about Um, in this church is the process by which we love and support one another. 
Um, Jesus in John 1 talks about coming that people may have life and have it to the full. And that is a, a vision that we love and live with in this church, about every member, every part of this family being able to live life to the full and, and, and loving each other and supporting one another into that fullness. Um, one anothering is a really interesting term. I mean, how often do you use that word one another ring? It feels weird to me. But it is a term that is from scripture, and we're going to go into that in a minute. But what it's talking about is um, how the blood bought people of God are to relate to one another. That's what one anothering is. Um, and so we're going to start this morning by looking at a few principles from Scripture about one anothering. And I'm going to go through these pretty quickly, so a bit of pace here. Firstly, um, fairly obviously, I would hope, God cares for us. Um, this sounds obvious, but the foundation of all of our love and care and support in this church starts with a God who cares for us. Um, Romans 5 verse 5 says, the love of God has been poured out out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. The love of God has been poured into our hearts when we put our trust in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And, and that love of God has come down from God. It's not a, it's not a human kind of thing. It's, this is the, a supernatural love of God that we, that we have when you put our trust in Jesus. And um, 1 Peter 5 verse 7 it says, Having cast all your anxiety on him, in fact, I think Greg mentioned this in the, in the worship, um, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares about you. We love a perfect God who cares for us, and ultimately that care and love has been revealed through the, the, the life and the death of Jesus, um, and that perfect love has been revealed to us from God, um, Father, Son, Spirit. And, and that love is in operation in our hearts. And so um, that's kind of the first founding thing of where love and care, we, we, we receive from God as, as our, the one who loves us. But secondly, God has put elders in place to care for his church. Elders are called to lead and, and shepherd the flock of God to keep watch over the souls um, of the flock as those who will give an account and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. They're, they're there to oversee the building up of the, the body of Christ. 1 Peter 5, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge elders among you um, as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and one who is also a fellow partaker of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, oversighting, uh, exercising oversight. So it's just important again at the beginning here to say that elders in this church have oversight of the pastoral processes. But God has empowered all of us to care for one another. That's the third point there. 1 John 4 verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Beloved, you are the beloved. And the call upon us is to love one another. For love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Our love and care for one another flows out from the love of God. So it just goes like this. The love of God is poured out into our hearts and it overflows. It spills out. 
amongst us. Um, we are called to love one another. And it's an ongoing process, and all of us have a part to play. Um, all of us have um, this kind of, yeah, genuine love of God in our hearts and an opportunity to be able to love one another um, into all the things that God has got for, for each other. And whilst the elders have overall responsibility, it's clear from the Bible over and over, which we're going to look at, that members of the body have a part to play according to the gifts that he's given us. Churches like this one, I wasn't there in the 60s and 70s, but churches like this one um, were founded as people rediscovered the joy of, of one anothering. Um, where church structures could sometimes have been more traditionally, you've got the pastor or the minister, the priest, who, whose responsibility is to go about and care for the flock. Um, this was a wonderful freedom as this church was birthed to, to actually everybody being able to play their part, everybody being able to get involved. Um, and there was a, a joyful rediscovery of, of people being empowered to, to do this together. And when we look at scripture, that, that part of that excitement was about rediscovering scripture. And did you know there are 59 one anothering verses in the Bible? And you haven't got time to write them all down, but I'm just going to whiz through a few of them. Don't worry, not 59 of them. But love one another. That's John 13, 34. And then that goes on. It's repeated. Love one another. We're commanded to love one another. Mark 9, be at peace with each other. John 13, wash one another's feet. Might sound really weird, but how I see that is get involved with the mess in each other's lives. Get your hands up, get involved. Galatians 6, carry each other's burdens. Romans 12, honor one another above yourselves. Galatians 5, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Ephesians 4, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 4, therefore having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. These are all the one anothering verses. Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another. Ephesians, forgive, 4 says, forgive each other. Colossians 3:16, admonish one another, warn one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, build each other up. Hebrews 3 says, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Like, wow. We, our hearts can be deceived, and we are empowered to encourage one another so that that doesn't happen. Hebrews 10 says, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And in, um, late in the following verse, that was 24, in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking our own assembling together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another or as the, all the more as the day is drawing near. James 4, do not slander one another. James 5, don't grumble against each other. And James 5, therefore, confess your sin to one another um, and pray for one another that you may be healed. What a privilege that is. What a privilege that is, that we, we can confess sin to one another. What a, what, a, what a freedom to be able to go, I've got it wrong, and I want to be able to confess my sin and, and pray that there can be healing. 
1 Peter, love one another. 1 Peter 3 verse 8 says, love one another deeply from the heart. And these verses just give us a, a picture of something of what one anothering um, is supposed to look like. And it's, it's an incredible vision, I think. It's not a, this is a nice little add-on. This is about something deep from, from the heart. And God intends us to relate to each other like this here. Um, and and some, some of this can be done corporately in a gathering like this. But when you read, look at those verses, that can't just be done um, once a week in, in, in an hour and a half or two hours. This is the sort of stuff that is involved in sharing life together um, and, and not just being at meetings together and um, living lives that are marked by kind of this radical love for one another. And the outworking of that in this church will look so varied and being cared for might look like you know, getting an encouraging card in the post, encouraging texts, um, or it could look like being able to confess sin to one another, um, or being able to pray with each other over a cup of tea. Um, it can be um, helping people do their... I mean, I had people, when I had a baby, just come and help me clean my house, um, do shopping. I know just during COVID, there were people shopping for one another. Um, there's so many varieties, like leaving treats at people's doorsteps, looking after people's kids, um, walking people's dogs when they're ill. During COVID, there have been a few people volunteering to, to walk each other's dogs. Um, and there's been just, you know, even our car's been broken. And part of one anothering for three weeks has been that two people in the life of the church that live near us has put this on their car, on their insurance so that we're able to get around. But these are just practical examples of one anothering, sharing life, being able to, to meet people at their point of need. And we are whole people, aren't we? We've got physical needs and emotional needs and spiritual needs. And, and, and what God wants is for us to be involved in, in, in supporting each other in those areas. So one anothering can look really practical, um, but it's also got the element of, of being able to, to meet each other at a point of need in terms of give, building friendship, building trust, building community together, being family. Um, and it's worth mentioning that some people have very complex needs. Um, some people have very complex pastoral needs. And part of how we love and care for people um, is to recognize sometimes that we need to signpost people to getting um, professional help or stat you know, being able to get support and love from some of the statutory services that we've got. And that's, you know, that's really, really important. And, and what I think sometimes there can be a hesitancy or sometimes we can hold back, but I just want to encourage us where there are complex needs, we need to really kind of make use of all the ways that, that we can to support one another in life. And we shouldn't hold back from encouraging people to, to look for help outside the church as well um, as inside the church. But that, you know, if you're, if you're get, encouraging someone to seek help outside the church. It's not just, you know, an abdication of responsibility. We, we continue to learn, don't we? And we continue to walk with one another in that. Um, we're brothers and sisters. Um, primarily, this sharing of life, this one another, getting into each other's business, what, how that happens here is through communities, um, through, through communities of people that meet together um, at various points in the week, but this is kind of where you can be known. In a meeting like this, isn't it hard to, to be known? Conversations, you can have a chat for a bit, but um, you, you know, it's hard to just be known if this is your only context for hanging out with family. Uh, and so we do this through communities. And 
when we talk about communities, just, just a final point four on these principles, God's will is for us to, to be in communities, but also to be on mission, for our communities to be on mission together. You know, God is love. And, and when we think about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that, that is a perfect community. And yet God is on mission to, to, to restore a lost and broken world. And so um, God is, is both... Uh, you know, existing in perfect love and community and on mission to the world. And so we reflect that um, in, in here. We created for loving community, but we are on mission. And that displays God. That displays God's heart. Um, and the pages of scripture describe a church that were devoted to God um, and to one another and to the fellowship, but, and they were devoted to reaching the lost. And so although sometimes you can hear this and go, oh, it sounds great, but it's so hard. Yes, but it is possible, because we see it right at the beginning in Acts 2, after the Spirit is poured out. We had a community of people that didn't have a long history of church to be able to model themselves on. They just had this love for one another that had been poured into their hearts by the Holy Spirit, and they were devoted to each other, to fellowship with one another. It talks about sharing meals together, going to meetings together, but being in each other's houses, supplying one another's needs. And then the end of that bit says, and and that people were added to their number day by day. They were displaying what they were doing to a watching world, and, and that's what we're called to do as well. Um, and sometimes it got messy. We read in, in Acts 6 that it got complicated. I think we've got to remember that the early church was made up of, you know, eventually it was Jews and Gentiles who had a history of not associating with each other. And, and now that they were called to be part of family, they were, they were called to be in community. And there were tensions. People got overlooked. People felt left out. And what the apostles did was they... They, they gathered together and said, this isn't okay. We, we want to make sure that we're, we're, people aren't slipping through the net. And so they delegated responsibility. They delegated responsibility to, to, to men and women who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who could, um, could, could take on that responsibility so that the apostles can carry on with the ministry of the word. They were holding these two things in tension all the time, loving, caring, but being on mission to the world who needs to know about the love of Jesus. And so, you know, as we, as we do this, we have to hold those two things in tension together. We are committed to loving and caring for one another and to reaching the lost for Jesus. And there are lots of challenges that we face, but there are lots of reasons for us to contend for this again. And just got a few reasons, got four reasons why this well of one another needs to be redug got four challenges um, for us. Um, The first is is quite massive. We live in an individualistic culture. It's a huge, huge influence on all of us. Um, We live in a culture that is increasingly becoming more and more individualistic. And when I'm talking about an individualistic culture, what I'm talking about is a culture that prioritizes the needs of an individual over a group. Um, In a Western culture, people are seen as independent and autonomous. Um, individual cultures, they, they champion this idea that you are self-sufficient. Like that, is, that is something that's championed, being self-sufficient, not needing to rely on other people. Um, and 
being codependent is something that is, is, is not encouraged. Self-reliance is, is the message of, of, of our culture. And not liking authority, that's part of it as well. Because if it's all about the individual and the individual's needs, and then authority is something to be suspicious about. It's something to, to feel like with authority that's going to rob me of freedom rather than bring it. And these are some of the, the problems. Because if, if that's in our mindset... It affects how we see God. It affects how we feel about the authority that God's placed over us. Um, So how do we respond? Well, we respond by embracing the truth that we are family. We choose to live as family. See, we are a body of believers who are not self-reliant. It's not how God has made us to be. And one of the phrases we like to use in this church is that we are all needy and we're all needed. And, and that doesn't feel like a very glamorous thing to say, but it just reflects the truth. Um, Paul in Romans 12, 9 to 11 says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. We need to abhor the lies that this world tell us about what life's really about. Hold fast to what is good. You know, that is what we need to be doing. We need to be holding fast to what is good. And what is good is that we have been placed into family. And it says, love one another with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection or sisterly affection. We are family. We all have one father and one homeland. We share in this room the deepest common values in this universe. We might be so different in, in culture and age and, and you know, life experiences, but what we share um, are the deepest common values because we have been bought by the blood of Jesus. And, 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 those are, and the, we have one Father, and we have been united um, by his blood to be one people and, and, to, and, and to be a family. We are beloved by God, and as such, our good Father's desire is that we should learn what it means to be dependent upon God and upon the body that that he's placed us in. We need to trust him, and we need to learn to trust godly authority that God has put over us. Our second challenge is that we live in a post-COVID world, and when I say that, I don't mean that COVID is all just a thing of the past. We all know it's not. But the pandemic has isolated people like nothing before. And we need, to, we need to be so aware of what's happened. Despite our good community moments, the clapping for the NHS or the banging on the pots, which was great, and despite the wonder of technology that helped us to relate to each other in a different way, it isolated us for a long time in a way that has never happened before. And that message, what we saw over and over again, was stay apart to stay safe. And I saw it all the time in playgrounds. You know, stay safe, play apart. To stay safe, you need to be apart. And I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about here, um, you know, us not understanding the, 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 the seriousness of COVID, but there is a message that we've lived under now. And there's been a lot of change, and there's been a lot of sickness, and there's been a lot of fear, and there's been a lot of anxiety, and there is a lot of weariness. We have been swept up in a global crisis, 
and we have not been immune to the pain of it. And COVID has introduced to us a set of what I think is defective emotions, but God knows that. Our response, we have to continually set our minds to the realities of our faith. God is at work. He was not surprised by COVID. He has continued to build his church. I mean, praise God that we're all sat here. Praise God for each one of your lives that you have been able to to survive COVID and you're sat here with one another. I mean, what we should rejoice in that alone, right? You're here and God has been faithful and he's seen you through. Um, And helping one another We need to help one another to heal from this. We shouldn't just assume that because things have got back to normal and we've got a few more dates in our diaries and yada yada, that we're all kind of business as usual. We're carrying with us the pain of what's happened. And the way to process that is in family, together. What is good for us to be together? COVID says no, but what we, I'm not talking about putting each other at risk. Of course, I'm not saying that. But we have to recognize that the word of God says something very different. To be safe, you need to be together. Thirdly, a third challenge is we live busy lives filled with pursuing many things. As our diaries have got busier now, as things are happening, good things can eat up so much of our time. We need to prioritize community life. And it's never, you know, when you look at scripture, it's not supposed to be the add-on. You know, the add-on, if we've got time, I'll make it to, to, to the community, or I'll make it to, to see that person. Community life is, is central. You know, there's all the things that we can get busy with, taking kids to clubs and tutoring and, you know, working out and, you know, all, all the things, good things that we can fill our lives with can rob us, actually, of what it means to be family together and all the good things that that, that involves. In our communities here at New Community, we learn how to one another as the Bible describes. And a response is to prioritize it. And this isn't just like a heavy thing I must do. This is for our good. This is as a way of processing what's happened and living in the good things that God's put us. If you're not part of a community, I just want to really ask that you would join one just for your good, for your protection, so that you can know what it means to be part of family Be part of a community. Just believe God's got so much treasure that he wants for you to enjoy and be enriched by, by by committing to to be part of something that's not just in in the rhythms of your normal life. Um, We want our normal lives to be a reflection of what God's done in us. And and it glorifies God when we prioritize community life and family. Um, There's a, yeah, fourth challenge. This is a a subtle but very pervasive one, and this is kind of where I want to land today. Um, It's easy to look at culture and go, oh, it's all wrong, it's all terrible, I'm going to abhor it. And it's easy to look at COVID and go, oh my goodness, yeah, it's out there and it's terrible. And it's easy even to go, oh, it's just life so busy. But I think there's the biggest barrier to loving one another is actually here. You know, it's easy to go, oh, but it's here. I know that in my life. Um, We live as Christians with defective emotions. We can live our Christian life 
without feeling genuine love and affection for the people of God, for people in church. And when we talk about one anothering and, and pastoring one another, and being, we're not talking about just doing things because of a sense of duty or responsibility. There's supposed, like, there is supposed to be this genuine affection that is what motivates us. It's something not done out of duty, but it's because God says, open your hearts wide to one another. Open your heart wide to one another. But you might say, I don't want to open my heart wide. I don't feel that love. I've been let down too many times. I've been snubbed. I've been ignored. I've been overlooked. I've been gossiped about. I'm hurting. And if that's you, you're not alone. Because we're not a perfect family. I started with that. But we love a perfect father. And we are his children. We're not perfect. We do hurt each other. But if we allow hardness in our hearts um, to fester, if we allow ourselves to become passive, indifferent to each other, not to mention being bitter or resentful, that contradicts who God is and who we are. And it damages us. And it damages our witness. You know, it can be so tempting to hold people at arm's length or to just be selective about who we're going to be affectionate and have love for. You know, it's easy to have affection for people that are like me. But if you don't feel love for the saints today, my prayer is that you would have faith that the Holy Spirit can do a work in your heart. He can move in power in your heart and work a miracle that you can't do on your own. When you think about... A Christian that is hard to feel affection for. It's, you know, when Jesus says that, you know, they'll know the truth and truth will set them free. <laughs> truth is, is what will help. When you're thinking about somebody or you're in contact with somebody that you struggle with in church, that you find it hard to have affection for, these are sort of things that we can stir our hearts with. God, God is her father, just like he's my father. We have the same Father. Jesus is her Savior or his Savior, just like he's my Savior. The same blood that saved me and rescued me saved them and rescued them. You know, we, we have the same homeland. We have the same future. My, where my destiny is their destiny, and, and God's purposes are being outworked in them and me. And it's just speaking the truth that we're family that can soften our hearts and the Holy Spirit can birth in us new emotions, new, new love for one another. We're family. It's, we can't go on in animosity or unforgiveness. Forgive one another. Just believe that even in this season, there's going to be some forgiveness that we need to go through. Forgiving one another. It's a command for our good. It's an opportunity to take back ground from the enemy. And despite all of the challenges I've been through, I've just gone through, we need to keep our eyes focused on the realities of the faith that defines us. Okay, those things may seem big, but we serve a God who reigns over all of that. There is a great reality being played out, a spiritual one. And we're not talking about ordinary things this morning. This is what I really wanted to get across. We're not talking about ordinary things. We're a supernatural people. You're a supernatural people. He says about supernatural living. God, through the power of his spirit, can birth in us new affections, new love. What's happened through COVID, God can heal us. 
Even now, I think God is coming and he's going to heal people. And some of that, I went to conference last week, and to be honest, I just received from God. I didn't have anyone praying with me, but I just cried for probably an hour <laughs> because I was just, what's happened is a big deal. And there's been, I think there's been, you know, we've been, we're a church family. We've been through a crisis as a family. And then within our church family, there have been crises within families. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to just come and minister to us. And we do that together. We do that as, as a family together. And I think the Holy Spirit wants to come and unify us, wants to come and, and strengthen us. You know, negative emotions, when we feel it, it doesn't mean God's not pleased with us. It's just the reality of living in a broken world. But we don't just, need, we don't just have to be passive about it. Just feel stirred that what God commands of us is not unachievable because God is a good, good father. We can be family. And I know that many of you do experience this church to be like family and we're so grateful for that and so grateful for the way that you love one another. We just believe in this, in this season, God's going to do a fresh thing as we redig this well. He can supply us with what we need, the strength to forgive too much is at stake to not step in and enjoy what it means to be family together. And just going to just finish with the rest of the verses from Romans 12. It talks about having family affection for one another. And the next verse is, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep let's redig this well of one anothering and doing this is going to involve it's not about just standing up and we've put it on the preaching rotor and we've heard the sermon doing this is about a corporate commitment to pursue a life together that is marked by sacrificial love for one another at every level, young and old, in all the seasons that life throws in our way, joy and sorrow, comfort and crisis, health and brokenness, we want to relate to each other as a family on mission. So I'm just going to pray for us. And I actually believe just from our worship and from the words that came and from what Lola shared, that the Holy Spirit's got an agenda with us. So just want to encourage you. I'm just going to invite Cyril back up to play, create some atmosphere. Um, but I just want to invite you um, just to stand for now, and we're just going to respond to God. Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you to come. Thank you that each of, um, or everybody in this room is known by you, God, and loved by you. You understand our needs. You understand where we're at. Holy Spirit, will you come and pour the love of God afresh in our hearts? We don't want to just muster this up and do it because we... <laughs> think we should. We, we want to just rejoice that we are new creations and that we have a good father and that you have bought us 
a place in your family. Jesus, I want to thank you for the, your blood shed for us that has given us a place in your family. I want to pray, Holy Spirit, would you just come and help us all to step into all the goodness of that. Help us to love one another, God, like you did. Jesus, I thank you. You said to your disciples, by this, by your love for one another, the world will, will, will know that you're my disciples. God, we want to be, be known for loving each other. I thank you that that is something that has happened for years, but we want to not just take it for granted. Would we redig this well? Would we, would we be a city on a hill known for our radical love for one another? So Holy Spirit, we just want to pray. Would you come?